Our weekly conversation with our friend Andy Brickley is brought to you by McGee Chevrolet in Raynham, the first place and the last place you'll need to ever shop for a new or used Chevrolet and by Precision Fitness Equipment. Shop where the pros do. Visit precisionfitnessequipment.com. That's precisionfitnessequipment.com for a store near you. Andy joins us on the AT&T hotline. Good morning, Brick. How are you? Good morning, John. Jerry, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. Hey, if, if Dale Hunter truly believes that Nicholas Backstrom was just defending himself when he stuck his stick in uh, in uh, Peverly's face. I guess Rafi Torres, by the same token, was just trying to get out of Hosa's way last night. <laughs> yeah, if you look across the National Hockey League right now, what's going on in the playoffs and uh, the number of suspensions and how nasty it is, it's, uh, it's hard to defend anything that some of these players are doing. But, you know, Dale Hunter probably still thinks he shouldn't have been suspended for 20 games on his hit on Pia Terja. Right. So. Uh, I think it's just a coach trying to defend his player, uh, hoping to get that penalty rescinded at the end of the game because Backstrom is a critical piece of his offense. Without him, they are not as good a team, and uh, you know that puts him in a diff- difficult position. Jerry asked a question the other day, and it's a good one. What do you think they're thinking in the halls of the National Hockey League, both privately and publicly, about the, the best phrase we can come up with, the mayhem on the ice that we're watching, in particular the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh series? Do they like it, hate it, somewhere in between? Uh, no, I don't think they like it. Uh, I think they love the fact that uh, you know there's a lot of one goal games, there's a lot of overtime, there's a lot of parity. Uh, you know, lower seeds can beat the higher seeds, and that's certainly going to happen in round one. Uh, I think they love all that. I just think the nastiness, and uh, they're looking for consistency. They're looking for some responsibility from the players and uh, some accountability. And if they can start to get that, the deeper they get into the playoffs, then the hockey becomes more the focus than than all this nastiness that we're watching. And uh, Brendan Shanahan has a difficult job. He's, he's basically the voice of authority that has to mete out all the discipline. Uh, and, and that is a challenging position to be in, and he's trying to do it right. But uh, you're never going to be on the right side of that argument when you're in that, that kind of uh, position of authority. How significant is Backstrom's loss to the Caps Thursday night? Very significant. He's, uh, you know, some people refer to him as the engine as far as their offense is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly gives them balance. You don't have to play Ovechkin with him. Ovechkin can play with Like. Now you can put Backstrom with Semin. That gives a more uh, balance to their offense. He's great on the power play. He's a penalty killer. Kind of controls the game when he's on top of his game with his puck skills and his stick skills. Uh, so it's a significant loss, and um, they have enough that they'll give the Bruins a hard time. But without him, their chances of winning go down. Dramatically. I don't want to go back to the tone here, uh, Brick, because it's fascinating to watch this around the NHL. Uh, and and we asked, you know, does the league like it or hate it? It is riveting. You can't deny that you can't take your eyes off the Pittsburgh-Philadelphia series because it is so violent, because it is so just such mayhem. Are we going to see that here? Will we see everyone in a Washington Capitals uniform suddenly start playing like their coach played because they're desperate, because they're the underdog, and they have no choice. I don't think it's in their makeup, Jerry. I really uh-huh. don't. Um, one or two players, perhaps. Uh, but they want to play, I believe, the right way, which is the way the Bruins play. They want to man up. They want to be physical. They want to stay within the rules. Uh, they want to play playoff-style hockey, which is rough and tumble. Uh, you're going to get some penalties along the way. But uh, I don't think they want to be or have the reputation that – uh, you know, they're going to leave their feet to make hits. They're right. going to blindside people. They're going to run people from behind. I don't think it's in their makeup, but it's not in the Bruins' makeup. Uh, if I was the Washington Capitals, though, I'd be a little concerned 
uh, if I was a guy like uh, Alsner, you know, with the, the gesture that he right. made to Milan Lucic mm. with the crying eyes, that would be a concern for me if I was a Washington Capitol, if I was Alsner himself, because uh, sooner or later you end up paying for something like that. But the Bruins do it pretty much the right way, not 100% of the time, but well, uh, I think they've proven that they do it the right way. So will Lucic and Alsner drop the gloves? I know Alsner. I know Alsner's the underdog there. He's not a fighter, but... Does that happen? Does it happen in the first period? Um, all depends on what Austin wants to do. I'm sure the challenge will be there. I don't right. think Lucic is going to go out of his way and put his team down. Uh, and there's, there's plenty of hockey to play, and sometimes you don't settle things uh, in a playoff series or this season, but uh, it's well documented. And I, I'm in the arena, Jerry, during the game, and on the Jumbotron, they're playing that up. I couldn't believe the Washington people were doing that. You know, the, the PR department was putting that on the Jumbotron as if they're saying, you know, this is a good thing because it's not. The crying thing? They were showing them do the crying yep. gesture? Yeah, yep. they highlighted wow. that on the Jumbotron. Did, yep. Wow. And and I well, I, I thought there'd be a – maybe I'm just watching, you know, around the league. I, I thought that game – I thought game three would get ugly, uglier to the – I thought game three would get uglier to the point where we did see some fights. Uh, are they coming? Um. There may, there may be, uh, and eventually, sometimes you have to you have to own up and answer for things that you do. Um, but you have to take a look at the personnel as well, and, right. and who's willing to drop the gloves, and and what is the purpose for dropping the gloves, and is it going to hurt momentum or is it going to help momentum? And those are the things you have to consider. It's just not just something that just all of a sudden happens. Yes, that happens during the regular season, but it's a little bit more uh, game plan as far as the postseason's concerned. Andy, was that Alsner's crying uh, gesture, does it rise to the level, to the occasion of, of the Burroughs finger-biting last year as a rallying point, or probably not? Well, I don't know if it's on a par with that, John, but it certainly gets players' attention. Right. And, uh, you know, and the Bruins aren't going to make a big deal about, out of it publicly, but, um, yeah, they're taking numbers for sure. Your partner, uh, Jack, said yesterday that the big one of the big issues, the big revelations in Game Three, was that that the goalie Holtby, Holtby played like a good AHL goalie, played like a, a rookie, a third stringer. Uh, is that? Do you think that can change? Can that change on a dime? Like, can he beat Ken Dryden again tonight, uh, tomorrow? Depends on how the team plays in front of him. Uh, I don't think the games one and two were really a, a good barometer of what kind of goalie he was. I thought he had a relatively easy time as far as making saves. Uh, I think the first goal, the one off his glove by Pevely, that immediately puts doubt in a young goaltender's mind. Uh, those are tough to shake off. That's a save he probably should make. The fact that they put a four spot on him and they lost the hockey game, a uh, critical game, first game on home ice, I think shakes his confidence a little bit. Can it be Dryden like uh, in game four? Sure, that's possible. It's not my expectation, though. I think the, the fact that the Bruins beat him and the, the way that they beat him definitely raises some question in his game, and uh, I don't think he'll be as confident. What have you seen from Tyler Sagan that says he's playing differently, differently now in the playoffs? He only had two shifts in the third period. Whatever, whatever you saw, certainly Claude Julien saw as well. Yeah, he's having a difficult time uh, battling through it, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's such close checking in a physical series and the price you have to pay along the wall, playing wing, getting pucks out, getting pucks in, uh, taking the body on the forecheck. Uh, you know, he's even talked about it, how it's, 
playoffs is, and uh, Mark Reckie used to say it, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that uh, you usually don't do or might be a little unwilling to do. And, and he's a young player. And uh, even though he had some playoff experience last year and experience winning the Stanley Cup, uh, he's still in that learning curve where he's got to figure out how to battle through, how to play to his strengths, how to not put himself in a position where he's going to lose a battle. Uh, and that, that requires reps and games and uh, shifts. And, you know, and if it's not going your way, no matter who you are, your ice time is going to be limited. And that's what Claude had to do in order to get the best players on the ice that were playing the best in order to win a hockey game. Hey, Andy, uh, Braden Holtby's diminished play aside in Game 3, from your, from your vantage point, what was the difference in the, in the Bruins' approach and attitude and effort in Game 3 that made the difference? Well, I think big picture, John, it was the fact that they played harder. They competed harder, mm-hmm. and, they, and they won more battles. Uh, if you wanted to take a look at the X's and O's, they made some adjustments in the neutral zone where they weren't as high up between the uh, offensive blue line and the red line. They came a little lower as far as the wings, uh, which allowed them to get a little bit more speed, allowed the sentiment to get closer to the puck to win support. Now you get into the offensive zone with a little bit more rhythm. Uh, they spread it out in the offensive zone. They didn't just try to get everybody to the front of the net because that's where the caps are. Now you got six, seven, eight bodies in front of Holtby, and pucks never get to the goal. Uh, and they elevated their skating game. They played a much more uh, – if you skate so much more of your game plan uh, is easier to execute. And they took the body, and they made better decisions, and uh, they just were fully – engaged emotionally, mentally, and physically. And when they play that way, they're the superior team. Hey, Andy, last week you and Andrew Ferentz, by the way, decried flopping in the National Hockey League as something that every player looks at, doesn't want to be called a soccer player and that type of thing. Are we seeing a little bit of that from Brad Marchand? Um, I think he might have sold that little uh, stick penalty, uh, I don't know what they called it, uh, on Jamera in that little scrum. Yeah, he sold that one yeah. a little bit. And uh, you know, stayed down longer than uh, than we liked. You know, like to see players get up. All right, you drew the penalty. Get up. Get off. Get off the ice. But uh, no, I don't think he's a flopper. I don't think he's a diver. I think he's just having a hard time. Uh, that line's doing a pretty good job against the Ovechkin line. The offense isn't there. Sagan's game needs to needs to be elevated. And Marshawn as well. He's had some opportunities. Had three real good scoring chances in game two. I think if he just gets on the board, you'll see more of the Brad Marchand we're used to. But, uh, no, I wouldn't put him in the flopping category. Hey, hey Brick, what, what high school did you go to? Melrose High. Now, how unlikely is it? How, what, how big an underdog are you if you go to a public high school in the United States? How many guys, obviously, nowadays, when you want to, if you want to get to the NHL, you go to private schools. You stay back if you're in America. If you're in, in Canada, you're in, eight years old, and they're shipping you off to some special school. Uh, we got Keith O'Coin coming up shortly from uh, Chelmsford High, pride of Chelmsford High. He's, uh, he's earning a living in the NHL. You, him, you guys are real long shots, weren't you? Absolutely. And if, uh, if you really want to add to that, Jerry, uh, Let's see, when I was drafted, there were 21 teams in the National Hockey League, and there were 10 rounds, and I was drafted 210th. So, obviously, if you do the math, you know, last pick taken in the entire draft. So, yeah, long shot all the way, but that was back in the day when, uh, you know, I was 17 when I graduated high school, 18 when I went to college, you know, trying out for a Division I UNH hockey program, trying to play, you know, D1 hockey as an 18-year-old with, you know, you know, with with men, guys that were you know 22 years old that were seniors. Right. And, uh, yeah. That's not the way it is anymore. And there's a lot of competition. And uh, uh, Coins had a nice career. He's been an awesome player in the American Hockey League. And 
and his talents have been recognized, and he's being rewarded, and he's having an opportunity to make a living playing in the NHL and playing in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, is he is, lucky. Would he be a modern-day Andy Brickley? <laughs> You'd have to ask him that one. I don't think he could, he could play for UNH, though. He went to Norwich. So he's even a bigger underdog than you were. Yeah, yeah, impressive, impressive. And, and any, anybody that, uh, you know, that labors, if you want to call it that, in the American Hockey League and the bus travel and uh, the three games and three nights on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right. uh, to, to play that long and be that successful and now be rewarded, I think that's impressive. Andy, final question. Has this series in your mind shifted decidedly in the Bruins' favor based on what you saw in Game 3? I do. I do. Uh, the fact that uh, the Bruins played the way that they wanted to play, not completely, but they look more like the Boston Bruins and the style that the Boston Bruins want to play. I think they raised their hate level for this team, which is a good thing. Uh, the absence of Backstrom, the doubt that's in the young rookie uh, goaltender's mind now, uh, I think that all favors Boston. And if Boston comes out, as I expect in Game 4, to impose their will, I would expect them to win both games in Washington. Hey, uh, we, we mentioned Rafi Torres hit on, uh, on Hosa last night. Uh, I, I assume you saw it. What would you think of it? How long has he gone for? Uh, I think he's a predator by nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe this guy hasn't been suspended more times when I watch this guy play. The fact that he's, uh, you know, the intent is to hurt, that he left his feet, uh, I would expect a lengthy suspension because he's a repeat offender. Andy, good talking to you. Good luck. We'll be listening and watching uh, tomorrow night on Nesson. All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Andy Brickley with Dennison Callahan on the AT&T hotline, AT&T 4G LTE. Our conversation with Andy is brought to you by McGee Chevrolet in Raynham, the first place and the last place you'll need to shop for a new or used Chevrolet. And by Precision Fitness Equipment, shopper the pros do. Visit PrecisionFitnessEquipment.com for a store near you. Quick timeout. Guess, Dennison- we yes. know, guess what we know? And I didn't think we'd find this out. You know, we know where Tim Thomas Spent his off day Ooh. yesterday. We'll have that when we come the back. The fanboys aren't going to like They're it. They're not going to like it? No, 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 no. Uh, he, he didn't spend it, uh, you know, at the... Walter uh, Reed? At the video arcade no. or at the mall or uh, walking... Probably not at the White House. Or, or you know, just walking... Walking the mall. Yeah. Uh, what, what's that, the famous museum? Uh, the Smithsonian. Well, not that. The, the one that's kind of trendy right now. The New Museum. Z- museum. Oh, the Museum. The Museum. He didn't go to the Museum yeah. or the Smithsonian or the... Uh, Vietnam Memorial of the World mm. War II. Mem- or maybe he did, but he did something else. We'll have that answer for you when we come back. Jerry Remy joins us at 8.30, and the aforementioned Keith O'Coin from Chelmsford joins us at 8.45.